Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today we have an amazing guest, but first, let's hear it from our sponsor. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom nettings for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, overhead netting, barrier netting, sideline netting, golf course netting, and much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today we have Leah Withrow from the Reno Aces. Welcome, Leah. Hi there. How are you? You've just been through a huge renovation. Anybody that's in the turf industry has kept up with it. It's very, uh, very extensive project and a, a very quick turnaround time, as we were just talking about before we got started, four weeks. Um, so give the listeners an introduction of yourself, your current position, and what got you here. Yeah, we just uh, crushed that renovation. Uh, it was a six-week project that only took four, so pretty happy with the way that turned out. Um, I don't know. I'm Leah. I'm the head groundskeeper for the Reno Aces, uh, AAA affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and this will be my fifth season here in Reno. I started as the intern in 2015 under Eric Blanton. Um, did an internship with the Brewers in 2016 and then came back as a seasonal assistant under Joe in 2017. And that was the inaugural soccer year. So I got to see how soccer and baseball worked hand in hand and got to work with Joe Hill, which if you know Joe Hill, he's an awesome human being. And then uh, graduated college, got a job at a university, Northern Arizona University, didn't love it a ton. And then Joe ended up having a full-time assistant position open. So I took that and then he left last March and I took over part-time sort of kind of 2020 pandemic style. And then 2021, I officially took over as head groundskeeper. Oh, wow. Um, and you went to school for turf. Is that correct? Correct. So my four-year degree from North Dakota state is sports turf management actually. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, my neighbor actually went to North Dakota State, uh, where I live. Um, he did his uh, graduate studies there. So you gave us a breakdown of your turf career, pretty much your turf career history, um, your education. Who got you into turf? Like, who was your mentor? Who who really kind of paved the way for you to want to do this? Um, I owe it all to Grant Trenby, who's the head groundskeeper for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I was in high school my senior year and was looking into going to North Dakota State for turf. Wasn't sure about it. 
needed somebody to answer questions because if I was going to pack up and move all my stuff from Nevada to North Dakota, I needed more answers and I needed to know what this turf management was all about. Um, so we were spring breaking in Arizona one year for spring March and uh, reached out to the Diamondbacks like just on their web page, just their general comments and questions just said, hey, I'm a senior in high school looking at getting into turf management. Could I talk with your groundskeeper? Can I shadow your groundskeeper? And within an hour, I had a response and they said, Grant would love to have you out for a couple of days. He wants you to work a non-game day and a game day and meet the crew and do the whole thing. So um, in the middle of my spring break, I decided to work and fell in love with it. And he convinced me to do it. And here we are. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty quick turnaround on your on your uh, inquiry about wanting to know a little bit more about it, and then. I mean, I totally expected absolutely no response at all, and so to even get a response, let alone like within an hour, and them to be so excited to have me have Grant reached out to him, and he was like, "Heck yeah, let's bring this eighteen-year-old girl onto the grounds crew," uh, was pretty ballsy move on his part, I think, and. I am so grateful. I owe him so much because if I wouldn't have done that, I don't know if I would have ended up going to NDSU for turf. Um, it was, it was that solidifying factor of walking out onto chase field and looking around you and be like, okay, we're doing this, I guess. Yeah. The, that's a lot of spotlight there for sure. And I'm sure that was an experience that you'll never forget. Oh, uh, and can't. obviously it paved the way for what you wanted to do so um i can't forget that yeah so uh i've been asking this question you know your current position and your day-to-day -day and breakdown of your day-to-day -day, but we're going to switch that up and we're going to talk about your renovations instead of that so um kind of explain i mean i know this is a really vague question so i apologize for that ahead of time i'm, I'm vague sometimes anyway when i even my employees say that I'm very vague. <laughs> uh, from what made the organization want to do this renovation, like everything from that to your process, I mean, I know you could talk about this, I'm sure for hours, but, you know, sum it up in 10, 15 minutes, I guess, on this whole process and how it worked. And if I think of a question in the middle of it, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> okay. Um, so last year 2020 happened um joe hill who was here before me was planning a full field renovation for the fall of 2020 um the field is, was 11 years old at the time and had both soccer and baseball playing on it um the poa had pretty much taken over our field and you could tell and it was hard to hard to manage it was getting difficult to manage playing soccer on a POA field where it's just divots after divots because there's no roots to it and the heat would just knock it back so badly. So we spent a lot of time managing POA instead of managing a actual field, I guess. It was babysitting that. And so we got approved or we were talking about doing it fall of 2020. Well, then Joe left in March of 2020 and then 2020 happened and then everything got pushed to the back burner because nobody was making any money. And so um, I got an email 
from our president and our my boss in July that just said we would like to revisit the steel renovation. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And so I started talking to a bunch of people around the industry that have recently done one or were looking at doing them. Um, Salt Lake City was gonna do one at the same time. I know Indianapolis was looking at doing one. So I good friends with those guys, chatted with them for a little bit. And then slowly the snowball started to build of picking out, um, potential sod farms, picking out potential contractors, picking out project managers, starting to slowly grow the project. And then um, fall of 2020, about November, uh, it became very real. And we started having people come out to do tests, uh, soil tests, try to figure out where our main issues are, which um, after 12 years, our organic layer was about five inches thick and drained at 0, 0.0 inches an hour in water. So not great. We had a lot of water issues uh, in 2020 and we had a lot of field issues in 2020. We played soccer, so we did have a soccer season and the team kept complaining that the field was too soft. And well, POA, if you know POA is soft and it is bushy and it doesn't tighten up real nice. And so yes, it's not going to play the way a bluegrass field or a Bermuda field that's tight and strong and the sheer strengths there is going to play. So after players complaining and coaches complaining and then our water issues, I mean, I wasn't, the unfortunate thing with Poe is the inches are, or roots are two inches deep. So you have to water for the POA so you're constantly watering but then you're overwatering because that organic layer isn't letting it drain through so it was just like a catch 22 I can I had to overwater the POA because it didn't have roots to sustain itself but I had to water less because the water wasn't draining flushing through so um, after some field issues that sparked the renovation talk and then uh, got all of our sample soils taken to find a match for our sand. So our plan going into this was taking the top five inches out of that organic layer and keeping those bottom five and finding a sand that we could blend with that to create more pore space to pack in enough that we could sod on top of it and to create better drainage. Um, so that started in the fall and then it got time where it was like, are we going to pull the trigger on this or not? And the front office kind of started to get cold feet when they saw the numbers start to add up and everyone thinks dirt is dirt cheap and it is not. Dirt is real expensive and so is grass sometimes, good grass. So um, we had a panic moment for a half second there and had to talk them off the ledge and it basically came down to the fact that we had a dead nine days here at the stadium this spring where we couldn't post any events. Um, State of Nevada is still in pretty much any large group setting. We couldn't have anybody here at the stadium. And so it came down to do we want to do it this spring where we're not losing any money, but we're not making any money? Or do we do it this fall where we've had made money, but now we have to put events and stuff on hold because our field is torn up? And so it came down to, well, we're not doing anything anyway. Let's just tear up the field. So 
got that signed off. And then a week later, people were here. It was a slow, quick, slow, slow, quick process. And then uh, basically came in that first week, just took out all the old materials, took out all the old sand. And I sent that off to local golf courses as filler sand. Um, so that was nice. I didn't have to pay a dump fee for that. And then all of our infield, old infield skin was taken to local high schools. So six local high schools got our old infield put on their fields. And then all of the grass, we phrase mowed it off. And that was just sent to a compost. So um, that was week one. Week two was uh, bringing in the, old, the new sand. So we brought in, it's like basically like beach sand. When they started spreading it out, I wanted to put out a chair and a Corona and just sit there and watch them work. But yeah. uh, it was, it was fine. And we put out basically an inch and a half, we'll till that in another inch, till that in and just slowly over time, mix in layer by layer that new sand into that old sand, that bottom five layers that we, or bottom five inches that we kept um third week was basically a lot of laser grading spreading everything out getting everything prepped and ready getting irrigation reset for sod to be laid on week four and then week four was all sod laying and then getting the infield dirt dialed in and laser graded out building the mound building the plate and they're coming back actually tomorrow to pull the form board so we did put frame boards along all the edges um, we let them sit for two weeks just so that that sand could stabilize. We could get some roots from it, the grass to get everything set before we pull them and so we don't get any edge collapsing. Um, so they'll be back here tomorrow and I'm excited to see them all again. It was kind of lonely after having 15 people around and doing stuff and there's always something going on for four weeks and then everyone left that Monday. I was like, well, now what do I do? There's no one here. Yeah that's uh i think what's what's impressive with that is how they got cold feet you talked them off that ledge and then within a week of them saying yep we're gonna do it the process started um well that's, that's impressive what was awesome was the people we chose so the sod farm we chose nate cox at desert green and cam with home field cam Toon here with Dur Edge and uh, Foremost, Luke and Foremost, our project manager came in and were really excited about the project. They really wanted this to happen almost as much as I did. And they had thankfully in the fall because we were kind of sort of planning to do it that fall before COVID happened. Um, they had it kind of in their calendars and then as the process kept going, we kind of pushed it back to the spring and then they had set that in their calendar still. And yeah, January was, I had quite the stress rush on my neck because the front office was so back and forth and weighing, I mean, it's a lot of money to spend. It's a big decision. I'm not doubting that at all. It was just such a time crunch. It had me real nervous. Um, we had to call it, we had a couple of MLB people overlook, oversee our quote, our bid from everybody and uh, kind of calm the nerves of our front office. Grant with the Diamondbacks and Nicole Sherry with the Orioles were uh, amazing. I can't thank them enough because this project is partly in due to them 
uh, speaking on my behalf and speaking on the behalf of the contractors and, and the fact of them having their tenure and uh, credibility to discuss field renovations and the fact that they've done multiple of them before to our front office, explain the process, explain that the pricing is on point with what a field renovation would cost and that the people that we chose were all excellent people. Um, and then actually we had to submit this to MLB now that Major League Baseball owns Minor League Baseball. Any field changes, anything like that along those lines have to be submitted to MLB for their approval. So once we did get the green light, um, we submitted our plan and MLB actually came back and said, this looks awesome. Uh, the contractors you've chosen, we have done work with Major League Baseball before and you got the A-team and that calmed my president's nerves and our front office nerves, I think a little bit and built some more confidence having MLB tell and built my confidence, tell me and our and the aces that we chose the right people to do this renovation was huge. Yeah, that that's for sure. Just to have there to have Nicole and Grant stamp on it and as well as MLB saying, hey, this is top tier. This is a top tier. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing is top tier. You know, that's uh, I feel like that was very, I'm sure, just like you said, it settled your nerves a little bit too. But at the same point, that's still your baby. So it still, it still had you on edge. I know as, as being a fellow turf manager, it had you on edge. I, I know it did. It was a lot of work, like planning a, a renovation to that scale. There's so many layers and there's a lot of sticky notes on my desk and a lot of stuff everywhere that like, I had spent so many late nights and hours planning everything and making sure I had dotted every I and crossed every T and hit every piece of this puzzle. And when they started to get cold feet and they were wavering and I'm like, I just put in so much time. I know I did all of the work up until this point to make sure that this is perfect. I know I chose all the right people. I know we can do this. Let's just do this. And Thankfully, I'm going to shout out our owner, Papa Herb. Herb Simon is a big baseball guy and believed in the stadium and that we could make it happen. So that was huge. And our front office has been eating up all of the field renovation stuff. Um, we've been socially distant working from upstairs. They have, so they each get a suite to work in for right now. And suites overlook the field so every day I'd see on social media all the ticket office people and all the sponsorship people the marketing people are posting about the field renovation each day and everyone got super excited about it and I think it it built up some confidence I think in our community too that like oh if they're spending money on the field then we're playing baseball this year so that was huge and ticket sales wise our tickets phones finally started ringing because they started seeing it on the news and seeing like, oh, they are fully planning on a season. I guess I should go buy some season tickets. And I was like, you're welcome. Yeah, for sure. That's that's um, uh, that that's a a great marketing tool in itself. Then being able to overlook the field and it also might give you know you hear nightmares of some people that have front office people that don't understand what goes on in our field. And I'm not saying that all of them do, but it does happen in some instances. 
and for them to be able to have their work day and see that the whole time is probably very humbling for some people who are like, oh, you know, they're just Bill Murray from Caddyshack. It's not that hard to do, you know, and that's totally not it. <laughs> it was real funny when we were on those phone calls with Grant and Nicole and we're in this conference room. I have my president, my boss, and our COO and myself on this phone call with these groundskeepers. And we get off the phone call with Grant and our president looks at me. He's like, that might be the first phone call with a groundskeeper where I understood everything he was saying. And it was this whole process of the last three months of explaining particle size sand and explaining what POA is versus pure bluegrass and the root zone and the wide dura edge over this and that. And basically the education part of it for my front office is amazing. Like I can now go to the front office and explain what I need why I need it and they understand what I'm saying to them I'm like I'm not just ordering sand to order sand like I need the sand for top dressing because this and that and now they understand it so this whole process not only was a huge learning experience for me but my front office now understands to a much larger extent what I do and what goes on and why we choose certain things over the other it's not just uh dollar signs to them anymore i think they understand yeah that's feels like a big breathing thing that costs a lot of money yeah that's that's awesome to hear that that they were that receptive and able to be a sponge and really you know take all that in that's yeah that's awesome well, getting back to your career i think everybody can appreciate that story of that renovation that's that's just uh from start to finish it had to be it was pretty awesome I mean, not a lot of people get to do it, so I'm pretty, no. yeah, pretty excited that I got to say I did one for at sure. At least once in my career. That's right. Well, going back to your career, um, do you have a high and a low point at this point in your career? Um, I'm gonna have to say the high point is that renovation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not gonna lie to you; it was a struggle. Uh, the first three weeks were actually I did hire the A-team. I will give Nathan Cox and Cam Toon all of the credit because those two are on the same wavelength, the dirt and the grass guy. Normally they're like, you're messing with my laser, you're messing with my laser, you got dirt in my edges, you got grass in my edges. And these guys worked flawlessly together. They've worked together before. And this project, I think everybody kind of bonded. It's like a summer camp here where you only see the same four five, six people for the same four weeks in a row. Um, it was an interesting experience, definitely a high point. Um, it was a struggle. There were some tears shed and some curse words said, and I, I only yelled it one day. One day I made, I broke on like the second to last day. <laughs> the irrigation, of course, was mm -hmm. a trigger and uh, I went off, but uh, getting to do that at 25 after being head groundskeeper for five seconds, um, that's a high point for me. That's a, I'm really excited about it. I'm really, really happy with the way it turned out. I'm really proud of myself for putting in those late nights and spending the time to research every option and to be very detailed and granular about everything. Um, mm -hmm. it turned out 
better than I could have imagined. Um, not a lot that I would change. Um, that was a that's a high point right now. Um, a low point, I would say, um, last year when uh, my boss left, Joe Hill. Uh, he is probably my biggest mentor and older brother, and he's a once in a lifetime boss who taught me so much how to be a leader. Mostly he's very calm, collected. If he's stressed out, you won't know it. And so it doesn't stress the rest of the crew out type guy. He will handle it and he won't worry about stuff you don't need to worry about, which is, I mean, you've worked, everyone's worked with that guy who freaks out over everything and it just, it's toxic and it spreads through the whole crew and then everybody's worried about nothing for no reason. Um, it doesn't get a lot done. It's not very productive. And Joe was the opposite as well as just a good human being who would be there for you forever. And when he left, I was devastated. I didn't think I could do this without him. I was a wreck. And um, looking back, I mean, I wouldn't change it. Everything works out the way it's supposed to, but losing somebody that you expected to work under for a while was a, a gut punch. I still had so much I needed to learn from him that I hadn't had a chance to yet. And I was like, you can't leave yet. I don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> it freaked me out a little bit, but thankfully 2020 was a year where I could transition into the deep end slowly. I could get my feet wet through the shallow parts and, and get myself to this point. Um, if it would have been a regular season, I don't know what I would have done. I'm going to be honest. It would have been. It. Yeah, but, you know, obviously he felt like he saw a lot of potential in you that he felt like you were ready anyway. So. Yeah, it was, it's everything works out the way it's supposed to. So that's all good. But it did feel like uh, at that time, that was a really low point. I was devastated to have somebody who you looked up to, who you still had so much to learn from, leave. Yeah, so your your field is Kentucky bluegrass, correct? 100%. 100%. Now, okay, what variety? 365 SS. 365. Okay, so I'm a 419 Bermuda guy. So um, cultural practices, this is going to be different. Um, what are some cultural practices that you feel like are going to be your go-tos for your for your turf? Um, so this bluegrass is going to is more heat and drought tolerant. So our summers get pretty warm and it's dry here. There is no humidity in the desert. Um, so managing moisture was such a hard thing for us to do, uh, especially with POA. So this year it'll be much better um, aerating once a month and switching out the tines. Uh, probably needle tine more times than not. Pull cores at the end of the year, verticut at the end of the year. Um, I have scheduled to top dress three times. Uh, so I'm top dressing right now. Um, Pre-podcast, I was top dressing. Post-podcast, I'll be top dressing. And uh, another time, uh, hopefully in June. And then again, in season ends in September now. So September, um, 
basically, and maybe even one more time in November, depending on our event load, just try to protect that crown through the winter and uh, keep those soil temperatures as warm as I can get them throughout the winter, through the winter. Um, the biggest thing is going to be putting down those, uh, what am I thinking of? Blanking. Um, It'll come to you. Oh, oh no, I'm having a bomb moment. The product that holds the water. Wedding agent? Yes, oh my God, that was a struggle. <laughs> I okay. couldn't even think of the word. It's okay, yes. we, we have to use it as well sometimes, so. So many wedding agents um, this summer is gonna be a big one and keeping on our foliar program is going to be huge especially with new grass just because those roots aren't right now are so shallow putting soils down is only doing so much it's getting the foliars to get that top growth to try to give it some some blade to soak up that sunshine to grow the roots so um probably not as extensive as bermuda uh, I know y'all phrase mow in the fall. I don't, I've never done warm season. So I'm, I'm you on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we pull cores. I pull I, eight inch deep time. Holy crap. And pull cores uh, three or four times a summer. So very aggressive. Um, that it's, is uh, it's, a, it's at a university and it's on a club at intramural sports complex 129 acres so we have a lot of activity and wear areas so uh, we have lacrosse comes out there and practice and if you've ever had anything to do with lacrosse they will destroy a field a lacrosse team um, it doesn't matter if it's men's or women's or whatever it is a goal mouth they'll completely bowl it out in three games i mean it's I mean, you have to pretty much cut it out and immediately. Um, and, you know, they have, we have USA Rugby. We host USA Rugby. So they, you know, down the middles of the fields and stuff like that. But we try and we've just put in a, we did have an extensive drainage project two years ago. So I'm not able to go eight inches on those fields. Um, uh, Nolan Thomason Company did it. It's, uh, probably 200 yards long on 12 foot centers at diagonals run to a main line. So it was very long. It was a month long project for sure. Uh, just a drainage project. And we had some fields that didn't drain, but yeah, we're very aggressive on the, on the airification. So yeah, bluegrass doesn't like that. <laughs> no. It likes to be babied. Yeah. Okay. So workplace efficiency. I mean, what, what comes to mind that in your career that stands out that, that maybe you implemented or maybe that one of your bosses implemented that was made you or your team more efficient or save money. Anything that comes to mind? I think a clean shop is, I mean, you can see behind me, I am yes. all about the organization. Everything has a place. Everything goes back to the place that you took it from. Men, boys, gentlemen, Put your shit back. It yeah, drives I, me nuts. I, I'm, Thankfully, uh, I I put my most of my stuff back, but I work on I I work on all of our equipment as well, 
and I'll leave a wrench laying on the floor all the time. My boss is like, hey, he'll text me and say, how about this wrench you left in the floor? And I said, just put it on the toolbox. He said, just put it on the tool. I said, just put it on the toolbox. He's like, no, no. He'll say, you can come back up here and put it in the toolbox. So today I was working on something that broke down in the field. I had one of our student workers go get me some tools. He brought them to me. I fixed it. And then I said, hand me those tools. I took all the tools. I, I put them in my pocket. I got right on the gator, drove straight to the shop. And he, my boss was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting my tools up. He said, he said, he flipped his calendar up. He said, is today the end of the world? He said, is it the end of the world? Babe? I said, no. I said, I'm just turning over a new leaf. I'm going to put my tools up. Hey, New Year's resolutions can start in March. It's okay. Yeah, but I noticed that when you got on, how organized your your wall was there. I said, yeah, that's yes. always a good. I uh, Joe was very good and very organized about a lot of things, but obviously, like in season, you're busier in a ten game homestand. Stuff just goes where stuff goes until you have time to deal with it, and I understand that, but also. When you need stuff and you can't find it because you didn't put it back where it belongs, then I don't feel bad for you. I don't. Mm -hmm. And I do think an organized shop, an organized office, an organized unit holds things together better. I think the discombobulation and misorganization and just having shit everywhere hurts my head. And I know it hurts other people's heads because like you're in a rush or you're need to find that pin to plug into the top dresser or whatever and you're in a hurry and it's like it stresses you out more if it's not where it's supposed to be so to alleviate 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 yikes today is not my day i need another cup of coffee (laughs) um to alleviate some of that stress i think cleaning up your shop a great idea and highly recommended by all the females in your life. <laughs> That's for sure. There's no doubt about that. Uh, current position challenges. I was, I had that question, but I feel like your renovation was a challenge and a reward at the same point. So, but what do you, so we'll go in a different route here with this being a, your first time as a head groundskeeper in your own full season, hopefully it should hopefully be a full season. What do you expect some of your challenges to be? Whether it be damage, turf wear, drainage. I mean, what what are you kind of jotting down on those sticky notes on your desk? Like, I need to keep an eye out for this, this, and this. You know. Um. So many sticky notes on my desk. Um. <laughs> irrigation. Uh. The stall part was our irrigation was poorly put together and during the renovation we found a lot of flaws in it and we tried to fix them at the time but we are still experiencing some issues on changing out heads daily still because they stopped rotating or they're leaking or we had some we had some issues so irrigation is something I constantly have to watch because we are so dry and because the heat gets out of hand so quickly that if your water doesn't run you are SOL real bad. So that's one thing that's a major worry for me this year is making sure our 
irrigation system is running for one and running efficiently and every head is doing what it's supposed to do. Um, so I'll be doing irrigation audits frequently this season. Um, the other thing that I'm just a little worried about is our event load is going to be larger than normal because we didn't have anything happen last year. Um, and because we are an outdoor facility and events have to happen outdoors now, it's safer, it's cleaner, you have more space. So uh, I know we'll be posting more things, which means more chance for damage and disease mm -hmm. and kinds of fun stuff. So I'm working with our event director coordinator a lot this spring, trying to make sure that we pick events that we know are going to be worth it. And when we do it, we do it with a timeline in mind of the team is out of town for six days. Let's do it in the middle of that. So I have three days to prep and three days of recovery um, type deal. And just working more with the with those guys is gonna be a challenge, making sure that we, we plan accordingly. Cause unfortunately a lot of people come to us and hey, can we have an event this, at the end of the month. I'm like, I need more time than to the end of the month. Huh. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, it's gonna be interesting with it being your first year with that field. And uh, I'm sure you'll have some issues arise, but I have no doubt that you'll handle them uh, in the best professional ways possible. And there'll probably be some curse words said, it, it have, especially with irrigation. Um, I, yeah, I've I've talked to irrigation heads and irrigation systems like they were human. Um, they are they're very frustrating. They have a, a mind of their own. But we're gonna wrap up. We got two turf questions left, and then it's a couple fun questions. But what is your ultimate career goal? Oof, it changes daily right <laughs> right now. Um, I don't even know what I'm gonna have for breakfast tomorrow morning. Uh, let alone what I want to do with the rest of my life. But I mean, eventually I do want to work for an MLB team. Uh, hopefully start as an assistant somewhere and maybe work my way up. Uh, maybe and if I decide to start a family and do all that stuff, I think a, a college route is the way to go. It's better hours. You still get to be a part of a team and kids get to go to school for free. So there's that. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Um, just trying to get through this year. That's right. So, but definitely, I'd say definitely uh, your ultimate career goal is make it through this year successfully. I'd say um, that'd be number That is my ultimate career goal is to not jump off the roof of this building by the end of the season. <laughs> That's right. But I think uh, it's fair to say that you'd like at least a couple years in the majors and uh, that, that, that'd definitely be fun, but especially before you decide to you know, if you decide to start a family and, you know, do that, go that route. A turf story, a funny, crazy turf story, a PG turf story. Um, mm. Something funny that's happened, something crazy that's happened in your career so far. Not, it doesn't have to be to you, but that you've witnessed or seen or even heard. Um, so we have skunks that live in our center field wall. Oh, wow. We have two of them. Um, and they have pups or whatever baby skunks are called. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, they are interesting. They don't really bother anything. They help with the mice problem a lot in the stadium, which I don't mind. 
but uh, 2019 season, they if the games go too long, if we go past that three-hour mark, but at like 10.30, they're on like a routine. They come out of that center field wall and we'll come out looking for popcorn and chips and stuff. And so they come out in the middle of a game that's gone in longer than it should. And center fielder's like, what the f-? And I'm like, uh, everyone's calling my boss. Like there's a skunk on the field and Joe's like, I don't know what you want me to do about it. Like I'm not running out there to go get them. And they hang out on in center field for a little bit. Then they center fielder kind of chases them off into the warning track. Well, there's a gap. Our our shop is in the center field gates. There's a gap in those gates underneath, just big enough for a skunk to fit through. And then there's a little alleyway that goes between our shop and the bullpen, the home bullpen, because they use our facilities and stuff in our shop. So the skunk and his girlfriend come running through the gate scared. We're all standing out up on top of the, right above our shop, watching them. And we see the skunks go towards that alley to head to the bullpen. And I'm like, oh shit, this is not good. Cause there's no exit to the bullpens except for the one that they came down and then to right field. Like all of a sudden our home bullpen's gonna be running out into right field here in a second. So. I run up along around our berm and I'm like, the skunk is coming towards you. And I have never seen bullpen pitchers move that fast in my whole life. They are sitting at the, at the mound end and they made it so fast to that home plate end. And that skunk and the players were looking each other eye to eye, like, please don't do this. And the skunk's like, eh, I guess we're not going to do this. They turned back, he turned back around and we trapped him kind of in a, a little nook in our back area here by the shop, but I thought for sure that skunk was going all the way through that bullpen, and then the home bullpen was going to have to go to the visitor's bullpen, and then after that, they were SOL because you're either running, climbing the fence onto the field, or you're getting sprayed, and I would have died if that was what was ended up happening, but I have never seen bullpen pitchers run like that, so that was entertaining. Yeah, that uh, that would been very funny. Um, I have a story um, that somebody told me on one of these. It hasn't posted yet, uh, our recording. But his dog, he always had his dog at work. It's a dog like mine. It's a lab. And it decided to go right out in the middle of center field during the game. Um, it got out from the tunnel and ran out in the middle of center field and used the bathroom and got a standing ovation from the whole entire crowd. And at the time, he was at the AAA for the Braves. So uh, he, uh, yeah, he said that was probably one of one of one of those great moments, you know, that that you make well, on, I on bet, YouTube. I bet it was awesome. I'm sure his president was really pissed, but I'm sure it was awesome for the dog at the time. Yeah, it was. Um, well, so a few fun questions here, or non-turf related. Favorite quote or phrase? Mm. Um, my favorite quote is you win some, you lose some. Yeah, you Basically it applies to everything. You can't win them all, can't lose them all. Sometimes luck's in your favor, sometimes it's not. You're exactly right. If you're having your final meal, what will it be? Uh, crab, steak and crab. A little oh. surf turf. 
From where? Uh, the nice steakhouse up in Tahoe. Okay. Uh, if you wake up tomorrow and you won the lottery, what's the first thing you do? And what's your first non-essential purchase? First thing I do is uh, buy my new truck because uh, I need a new truck. And my first non-essential purchase would be, I really want like a lake house. I don't know what lake and I don't know where, but I want a vacation home, lake cabin to spend weekends at or vacations or whatever. Kind of go to decompress. Yeah. I love the water. I want to boat, I want to sit in the lake and do nothing and drink white claws and be a degenerate. Yeah, I understand. I live about a half a mile from from the water here and it leads out to the Atlantic Ocean. So we uh I'm very spoiled when it comes to the water. So um it's nice. It's yeah. always nice to just go chill out in the hot summer day and enjoy a couple of beverages with some friends and splash around. Yeah, especially Nothing on better. the schedule I'm on now at a university, I get off at four and I work no weekends anymore. So at four o'clock, it gets dark at nine. So at four o'clock, especially when it gets warm, I'll come home, hook to my boat. So I'm saying I need a university job. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, at, when, you, when you get to that point, it's very, uh, it's, uh, the money might not be as great and some things might not be as rewarding, but it had the peace of mind, you can't put a, that's the priceless part. I can tell you that uh, for sure. What are some words, I'm a, we're going to leave the listeners with this, some words of wisdom that you would like to share with young and upcoming turf professionals? Just keep doing it. Um, there are some days where you hate everybody and everything, and you're tired of tamping the bullpen for the 50 millionth time in this homestand. Um, but you won't find another job where you get to call this your office. They just don't exist. You get to come to work every day and work on two acres, two and a half acres, three acres of perfectly manicured grass. And you can't beat that. Um, it's gonna be hard, I'm not gonna lie. There are days where you question your life choices up until this point, but then you, are sitting there on game day right before the national anthem gets sung and you see this perfect chalk lines, you see those perfect mow lines and you see the water going out on the infield skin. And there's like that serenity that comes over you in that moment, like watching infield skin gets getting watered. is like the most serene thing to me ever and standing back and watching it happen and looking at the 10 hours of work you've just put up and into that point is worth it. And if you have questions or you have concerns or you don't know if this is for you, ask somebody. Every turf manager is happy to talk to you. Every one of us wants, we need younger groundskeepers. We need more people knowing about this as a career option and that this is a fun job and that there's nothing like it. So please talk to us, reach out to anybody with any questions on Twitter or Instagram or an email. You can find us in any directory on any website, like. I did for the Diamondbacks. Just ask a question. Shoot your shot for your job. Do it. Right. Well, I know that you are top dressing, and I know that you have to get back to work. 
Um, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I mean, we have a well, we have a three-hour difference. I think is that right? Yeah. Yep. So you're still three o'clock here. I'm gonna go play in the sand a little bit more for a couple more hours today, and make sure everything is good and ready for the boys to show up tomorrow to take out my form boards. All right. So. Big evening for you and a big day tomorrow. So the process starts rolling. When are they going to have the first game? Do they know? Uh, first game is May 13th, as of right now. Wow. Knocking on wood. Hopefully it stays that way. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your time and thank you. Thank you. This was, this was fun. Yes, it was. Chat more often. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Chris Toppings, with the Dirt on Turf podcast. And before we leave you, let me remind you about netting professionals. It doesn't matter what kind of netting you need, whether it's for a batting cage, a dugout, driving range, backstops, check out netting professionals. Go to their website, www.nettingpros.com or follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You don't want to miss out with these people. Give them a call. Let them give you a price. They'll take care of you. Until next week, I'm Chris Toppings. We'll see you then.